When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. It's time to get inside the Giants huddle, huddle, up, huddle, up, huddle up. on Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the New York football Giants. Thanks so much for being with us. Every year around this time, we're joined by this guest. His name is Warren Sharp. You can check him out on his website at sharpfootballanalysis.com. He just released his 2023 football preview. It's the one and only Warren Sharp. Warren, how are you, man? I'm doing great, John. Uh, Certainly happy to talk to you after a great season for you guys last year, exceeding expectations. Sort of expect, I was sort of hoping that you would get there. Uh, I was really satisfied and happy that you did. Uh, This year, totally new season, though. A lot of things stacking up against you guys. Uh, certainly looking forward to breaking it down with you here for the next half hour. Yeah, and guys, the book's great. Go check it out. These are the giant pages. You see charts, colors. They're beautiful. A lot of good information if you're into fantasy, maybe some other extracurricular activities. If you're just a big football fan, make sure you go check that out. I'm going to talk about a lot of the notes in there about the Giants on this show here, Warren. And I think a good place to start is context, right? Because we talked this time last year And some of the things the Giants did poorly the last couple of seasons, you predicted they would do better under Brian Dable. And lo and behold, I'll start with the first big one that you brought up on this show last year because it's something Brian Dable did well in Buffalo. And he did well this year. And it checked the box for you, avoiding third down. So talk about the importance of that and how the Giants pulled that off. Yeah, modern football, uh, with the way that the rules are constructed, there needs to be a solid balance between third down avoidance and generating some explosive plays. You have to get a little bit of both, but it's vital to be able to avoid third downs. And and that basically means convert first downs on early downs, on first and second down, get that new uh, set of chains moved, do not get forced into third down. And Prior to, like I was discussing last year, not only was your prior coaching staff just terribly inept at, at avoiding third downs, you ranked 31st, but the way that they coached almost showed an indifference to getting into third down. Like almost showed like we aren't aware of the numbers that show that your offense is going to score more points when you avoid third downs. We just want to stay out on the field. We want to convert a new set of sticks no matter when it is. And there were more than happy to play in a third and short situation. And that's the only way that you could be like second to worst in third down avoidance is if you just don't care about trying to make that a priority. Dayball comes in and Kafka 
and these guys are calling plays and you guys move from 31st at third down avoidance all the way to number six best at avoiding third downs and with largely similar personnel, right? Very similar personnel across the board, an offensive line that's injured, other injuries are cropping up. You don't have this elite group of receivers like Dave Gettleman left you guys in the position such that you couldn't just go on. And, you know, sometimes new coaching staffs, they get to spend a lot of money. We saw with the Jacksonville Jaguars and Doug Peterson, spend a ton of money in free agency, get to bring in a lot of receivers, get to, you know, get their guys in there. And then they might be a little bit better. Well, you guys didn't have the ability to do that, which is why in the book, I think I, I, I noted that um, I would argue that the 2022 Giants provided us with probably like one of the cleanest full season examples of the difference that coaching makes and coaching alone makes in a team and their ability to improve on a certain side of the ball, the way that that Giants offense improved on early downs, just by philosophically changing what their priorities were and how they wanted to uh, kind of execute their offense, just masterful. And it happened overnight. And it certainly was a big reason that you guys were successful last year. I just want to dig into this a little bit more, Warren. I'm not sure if you have the data on this or not. But I wonder how exactly they did it. Because if you look at run-pass balance, that didn't change a ton from one year to the next, right? That was kind of similar. So is this just the type of passes you're throwing down the field? Is it use of play action? What were some of the things that you think they did differently on early downs that allowed them to be more effective converting first downs before you get to to third? Well, one of the things that I think is going to be a little bit ironic because of the focus that I have and, and the love that I have in general for the passing game. But the Giants and Dayball and Kafka got more out of the running back run game uh, last season. And your runs on early downs, when you did choose to run, were more efficient and successful last year than they were in 2021. So you weren't as behind the ball anytime that you did go and hand the football off. And then secondly, you got more out of uh, Daniel Jones with his legs. And that was something that we knew and I expected Brian Dable to bring that he was utilizing with Josh Allen and Buffalo. And that is the singular most efficient and effective play in football, bar none, is when a quarterback drops back to pass the football, sees an open run lane, and then scrambles and takes that open run lane. Those plays average like between seven and a half and nine and a half yards, depending upon the quarterback. It's more efficient than a quarterback pass attempt. It's more successful than a quarter uh, running back rushing attempt. Uh, these are the most efficient plays in football. And so I, I think some coaches out there, especially with younger quarterbacks, they tell them, look, we need you to learn the offense. We need you to go through your progressions. We, you're a quarterback. You're supposed to be passing the football. So, you know, hang in the pocket, deal with the pressure, try to get the ball to the, to the read. Uh, whereas I think the most successful offenses don't shy away from encouraging the quarterback to run the football if there's a run lane open. And the Giants were doing that more last year, certainly. Um, I think Jones scrambles average 7.9 yards per carry his scrambles not his designed runs but his scrambles 7.9 yards per carry and he had over 50 of them his pass attempts only averaged seven yards per attempt um and so between running the football more effectively and daniel jones scrambling uh in certain situations better allowed this team to i believe bypass third downs more frequently because we may get to it at some point but 
Like Daniel Jones actually yep. did not have as good of a season over like 80 yards of the football field outside of the red zone. He did not have as good of a season with Kafka and uh, Brian Dable as he even had like in prior years. So he was a less efficient quarterback last year in many respects over the football field, but because the run game was a little bit better and he scrambled the ball a little bit more, it was still allowed them to bypass third downs at a much higher rate. And we are going to dig into some of those Joe numbers a little bit later on, Warren. One thing that I found interesting, usually when you see early down success, a lot of that comes on play action. But that actually wasn't the case for the Giants last year, right? You more kind of marked that down as one of those areas that you think they can improve on on early downs. Absolutely. I mean, there are a couple of things that they need to improve upon um, on early downs and in general. And play action is one of them. Explo generating explosive passes is another one. Um, but this team and Daniel Jones specifically, like he was not very efficient when utilizing play action. And it's something that, you know, this offensive coaching staff needs to just identify and determine, are, are we going to get a quarterback who's going to be successful utilizing play action? Can we do anything to help improve that at all? Do we want more shotgun play action under center play action or neither? Because obviously you're turning the back a little bit more to the defense when you're under center using play action. than if you are in shotgun, can we do anything with the play action game that is going to still generate efficient passes? Maybe it's a depth of target thing as we're throwing the football. Why wasn't play action as efficient? And this is something that certainly, you know, there's, there's, I'm sure there's been like a day or two, devoted this offseason, whether it's Dable and Kafka together or just potentially Kafka sitting down and saying, what was going on with our play action game last year? How can we improve it for this upcoming season and try to make the necessary adjustments so that you can utilize that? Because we know in general, play action around the league does work. There is a place for it. It is successful. Uh, it does help quarterbacks raise their ceiling. So how can we get this incorporated a little bit better to the Giants offense in 2023. Yeah, and I think on your numbers, I don't have this one written down, but I think I remembered reading it in your, in your Giants section. Their EPA per play, for play action and non-play action, were almost identical, if I if I remember that number properly. And that's usually not the case. Usually play action passes are much more efficient, right? Yes, no no doubt about it. And you're, you're correct. They used it on early downs in the first three quarters at the number 10 highest rate in the NFL. He averaged a slightly worse EPA per attempt and saw no improvement at all in yards per attempt when using play action. And the play action dropbacks ended up taking longer. Some of my notes here from the book, from the chapter, the play action uh, EPA, sorry, the play action time to throw was just over three seconds versus about a half a second shorter when he did not use play action. And so the pressure rate on Daniel Jones increased from 34% without play action to 42% with play action. Um, his target depth was still the same, but the efficiency across the board was down. So they need to identify how to maybe utilize play action and get rid of the ball quicker. Maybe if the O-line protects better, then the results will be a little bit better uh, when they do use play action. There's a variety of things besides just Jones himself that could increase the ceiling using play action this upcoming season. But I mean, look, if you're going to use it at the number 10 highest rate, which they did, uh, you need to get more out of it because if you're actually not better without it, uh, oh, sorry, with it, then you maybe don't even need to go to 10%. Um, and so that's, sorry, to, to the 10th highest usage rate. So these are all things that this staff first year with a quarterback, it's like a rookie quarterback coming in. We know there's a big jump year two after year one. 
hopefully with the staff getting to know the intricacies of Jones and the rest of the offense can make the necessary adjustments. And in the same way, I think probably the lack of, you know, improved play and efficiency on those play action throws is probably reflected in the lack of explosive plays, right? Warren, we've talked about that all off season here. The giants, I think were next to last or last in the NFL in terms of pass plays of 20 plus yards. If you tune into last year's show at this time, you talked about the numbers. You can review them now. If you want the increased chance you have of scoring on a drive, if you have a play of 15 plus yards, you can get into that. And that's one area the Giants didn't quite make the improvement they wanted to. And I think you saw in the offseason when they added a bunch of guys that ran 4-3, that's probably one of the areas that they're going to try to get better on early downs, especially, is making those big explosive plays down the field. No doubt about it. I mean, I was asked in a radio show earlier today, what were some of my favorite statistics to study? And early down efficiency is certainly one of them, but there's other things that now I've got data on that are really interesting to study. And that's like, what is the impact of even one play that's 15 plus yards in a drive? You don't have to have like a 60 yard play, a 40 yard play, just one play of 15 plus yards. You go from scoring uh, points. If you have no plays of 15 plus yards in a drive, you score points on only 5.9% of your drives. If you have just one play of 15 plus yards, 5.9% 5.9% score rate goes all the way up to 51% score wow. rate. I mean, it's it's night and day. It's astronomical. So you have to try to figure out that way to balance the early down efficiency, which generally is, you know, high efficiency passes, fewer runs, but running in certain situations. Try to stay out of third down with generating some bigger gains, figuring out a way to generate some bigger gains. And that typically, you know, you do have to stress yourself a little bit where you do have to be a little bit more aggressive, something that might not be as much of trying to avoid third downs as it is trying to generate that chunk play. And, you know, the giants were horrific doing that in 2021. Uh, They're, they had a was 5% of their attempts, pass attempts, gained 20-plus yards. That was dead last in the NFL. Unfortunately, last year, 5% only improved to 5.4%, which still ranked dead last in the NFL. Now, those are 20-plus yard gains. We were talking 15-plus uh, yard gains previously. Well, you still rank 25th in 15-plus yard gains uh, on pass attempts in 2022. That was 25th in the league an increase of just uh, three ranking spots from 28th in the league in 2021. So this is one area along with play action. That is a room for improvement here, because if you can mesh their ability to rank top 10 in avoiding third downs with then increasing their explosive rate from dead last, even to like average, even if you just moved from like dead last to average and you somehow dropped you don't have to be sixth best at avoiding third downs maybe you go down to eighth or tenth but you're in the top 10 there and now you're you're an average team in explosive passing all of a sudden like with your ability to call great plays inside the red zone um, this is a team that's now going to score a lot more points and I think more importantly uh try to start faster which was something the Giants were not doing early in the season got a little bit better at doing midway through the season but it still was something that I do not believe you can replicate all these fourth quarter comebacks and all the points that you're outscoring teams by late in these games. You have to start faster. We know one of the biggest uh, cheat codes to winning games is to have a lead at halftime. 
force your opponent to become one-dimensional in the second half. It becomes easier to defend them. And when you can then be more balanced offensively because you're playing with a lead and you can call whatever you want, uh, that's going to help your offense against their defense in the second half. So you got to figure out a way to start faster. And I think that's going to be uh, potentially getting some more explosive plays in the first half of games. You've mentioned this a couple of times already, Warren, so I want to dig into it a little bit. The protection issues. Talk about making explosive plays. Well, if you can't hold the ball on those deep over routes, which are the type of routes that create those explosive plays, right? It's hard to create some of those. Play action. You mentioned it. You hold the ball a little bit longer. If your protection doesn't hold up, you have a problem. So how important is it for the Giants to improve in some of those areas you talked about? And we'll we'll get into the Daniel Jones uh, between the 20s as well for that protection to improve. Yeah, it's very important for a quarterback to get good protection. Now, we're learning more over the years, and we understand better that quarterbacks control, uh, play a bigger role in controlling their own pressure rate and their own sack rate. We previously thought this is all on the offensive line, you know, but now we've learned that quarterbacks actually control a higher percentage than initially anticipated of the pressures that are allowed. Now, so real quick, to... now quarterbacks control sack rate probably more than pressure rate, though, correct? Correct. Yeah, uh, absolutely correct. I mean, because that when that pressure comes, are you taking sacks? Are you getting rid of the ball? Have you found your hot route? What are you doing? So quarterbacks control sack rate much more than pressure rate, but they still do uh, control pressure rate in terms of are you getting rid of the ball when you see that your lineman is beat? Are you actually going to take that pressure or can you do something with it uh, prior? Can you turn a negative into potentially a positive? And this team needs help there. It's not all on Daniel Jones. He does have more of control over that than maybe we thought five, 10 years ago. But this offensive line needs to improve in that regard. And, um, you know, part of it comes with who do you play? What types of defensive lines are you going up against? And, and I got a hint for you, like the Eagles aren't getting any worse defensively. The Dallas Cowboys aren't getting any worse defensively. These are defensive lines and teams that are going to be able to generate pressure. Or Washington, by the way, six games. Or Washington. Or Washington. Yeah. I mean, it's a brutal uh, schedule of opposing pressure rate teams that the New York Giants are going to play. That's not going to be changing anytime soon. So those teams make it a priority to draft players or to acquire players who can get after quarterbacks because they know the value of getting pressure and how much pressure does throw off uh, the efficiency on a given pass play. So, you know, Daniel Jones has to do a little bit better, but this offensive line has to play a lot better um, in year two with this uh, scheme that they've got here between Kafka and Dayball. I think that they have a shot at doing that, but it's, you know, part of it's going to be player health. Part of it's going to be eventual better roster construction once they can get more of their guys in there. And and part of it's going to be that I do think they've made some subtle improvements this offseason. They just got to uh, make those pay off. No question about it. The Giants Auto Podcast is brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the Giants. From game day to every day, Citizens is made ready for Giants fans with insights, guidance, and solutions. Learn more at citizensbank.com. You're ready for a change. Payday comes early with Citizens. So go to that retreat. New you moves to the country. Now you're raising goats and launching a lifestyle brand. Are you ready for all that life brings? Warren, we I left this for a little bit later because I thought it was interesting, and I think we can go in-depth in it a little bit. A big reason, I think, we haven't talked about it as much as we should, and fans have certainly missed it. 
why the Giants are so much better this year, especially offensively, was their red zone efficiency improvement. Get into that, where you saw the improvement, and how they did it. Well, they made a couple of big-time uh, decisions philosophically of how they're going to perform better in the red zone. One is just how are we going to orchestrate this offense with Daniel Jones in terms of passing the football? And it really is amazing. This goes to a little bit of like why I think it's it's almost like um, uh, the chicken or the egg, like which came first. Like I think that this coaching staff, did more for a quarterback getting a new deal than almost any other coaching staff in history. Because while Daniel Jones did look fine last year, uh, I don't feel like he himself played his way to this contract as much as like he was put in the situations from a coaching staff to do that. This team really lowered Daniel Jones's uh, average air yards in these red zone passes so that he could complete more passes. No team in the last four years, in the prior four years, had a lower completion percentage in the red zone than Daniel Jones in 2021. He completed just 37.7% of his pass attempts in the red zone in 2021, which was obviously terrible. They inc increased that dramatically, I think, it uh, from dead last in completion rate over the last four years to seventh best last year to 70%. And no quarterback averaged more EPA per attempt than Daniel Jones did, which is an efficiency metric, uh, plus 0.65 EPA per attempt. So how did they do that? How did they improve um, his completion rate and his efficiency? Well, two factors. Number one, they lowered his target depth. He threw, I think, only 15% of his passes beyond the line of scrimmage. They were throwing very short and very underneath, and they were throwing the ball less, much less than they did in 2021 down inside the red zone. We They leaned more into running back runs and Daniel Jones runs. They became more efficient with Daniel Jones runs and their running back runs, and they ran the ball a little bit more. So it kept them on schedule at a higher rate, and it allowed Daniel Jones to throw the ball less frequently um, and not have to go and hit those hero balls on third and nine in the red zone to try to score touchdowns. If you look at what Daniel Jones's uh, his completion rate was, it was in part so low in 2021 because he was throwing the ball. He added higher target depth in 2021 down inside the red zone than he did outside of the red zone the rest of the field because he was he was they were running the ball in like first and second down for nothing, and then he was in these third and long situations just throwing the ball beyond the sticks, and it resulted in a lot of failed third down attempts and the offense changed the philosophy incredibly last year to really make it, you know, with Daniel Jones, it's a very important to do this, but even with Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, one of his number one priorities as a great coach is to make life as easy as possible for his quarterback. He could make life really hard for Patrick Mahomes and tell Patrick Mahomes, we need these types of crazy throws that make Sports Center highlight reels. We need these like 10, 15 times a game. But that's not what Andy Reid tries to do with Mahomes. Andy Reid tries to make life as easy as possible, stay ahead of the six. We don't need all these crazy things until we do need one, not designing the offense to draw those out more frequently than is necessary. And so that's what. Kafka and Dayball did with Daniel Jones is tried to make life as easy for him as possible inside the red zone. And it really worked. And that's why this team's red zone efficiency increased dramatically. Um, and 
They ranked number seven in red zone conversion rate and number six in goal to go efficiency last year after ranking number 32 in red zone efficiency in 2021 and 21 in goal to go, go, goal to go efficiency. And on a per play basis, which is, I think what every single Giants fan could not believe when I tweeted this out earlier this offseason. I couldn't believe it either, but they had the number one most efficient offense on a per play basis, whether you look at success rate, EPA per play, or passing success rate, the number one across all three of those metrics when they were inside the red zone on a per play basis. So just night and day difference. And once again, this is coaching. They didn't bring in a ton of new personnel. They didn't all of a sudden get this great red zone threat or this number one alpha wide receiver who's going to draw a bunch of coverage. They didn't bring in a new bruising running back or completely change. We're going to use a lot more 21 personnel. We're going to like, they didn't do any of that. It's just calling more efficient plays, having a plan when you get into the red zone, making life easy for your quarterback. And so I don't see any of that changing. I mean, it's, it's not like this thing, these things were a fluke. It's not like you go, um, they were number 32 red zone offense the prior couple of years and all of a sudden go up to what number seven last year. Uh, but they were on a per play basis. They were, you know, 26th or 27th and just happened to get lucky and good and score touchdowns in some of these plays, like on a per play basis, they were the best in the NFL. They were top 10 in conversion rate. This stuff is here to stay. As long as this staff is here, you can expect a more efficient. Now, are they going to be number one? Probably not. Will they be top 10? I'd like to believe that that's possible. And so as a result, this team just needs to get down into the red zone more frequently. And I think the points will follow. Yeah, I just wanted one more follow-up on the red zone stuff, Warren, because the run game gets no love anymore. The Giants and Saquon Barkley's back. He signed the one-year deal. The success they had running with the running back in the red zone and just their efficiency doing that also really moved the needle for them, right? That was a huge deal for them where they just ran the ball effectively inside the 20-yard line. Yeah, um, they absolutely, inside the 20-yard line, had one of the most efficient rushing attacks in the NFL. Uh, they're rushing, they had these, their running backs themselves had the NFL's second best red zone success rate. In 2021, they ranked 30th. Again, we're still wow. talking Saquon Barkley here, but they went from 30th in success rate all the way to number two in success rate. Night and day different, just totally overhauled the efficiency that they were getting out of the run game. And so this is this is part of the reason why Daniel Jones only threw 15 touchdown passes despite starting 16 games is, is like, well, well, how's he only throwing? Well, they were running the ball very effectively when they were down inside of the red zone. Um, but no doubt about it, like that. That is an area of the football field where you do want to run. I'm a big proponent of running when it uh, is most efficient to do so because by and large passes are going to be better in most areas of the field. But the places that we find runs to be the most successful are inside the red zone and in short yardage. And inside the red zone just makes sense because uh, space is confined. It's harder to have. You can't have deeper pass routes develop. So the defense knows that there's only these types of routes that can be coming from a passing perspective. They can sit down on it. They can play a little bit more man. They can blitz more frequently, cause more trouble. And as a result, if you use uh, like 11 personnel and spread the defense more, all of a sudden these run lanes open up 
and there it becomes more advantageous to run the football down inside of the red zone um, and in short yardage situations. The Giants understood this from a coaching staff perspective, and then the backs like Barkley executed it extremely well. Two more on the offense one, then we'll do defense, and we'll do the change in strength of schedule offense defense too at the end. Running game. Um, you talked about maybe using the running backs more and running them more out of lighter personnel groups rather than heavy, and then throw Darren Waller into the mix here, who might open up some 12 personnel potential packages for the Giants too. So how do you see them utilizing their personal best in terms of their personnel groupings this year to maximize their offensive efficiency? Yeah, I think Darren Waller is going to be a big deal for the Giants because if you talk to anybody, obviously you know this and and some of the hardcore Giants fans know this as well, but there was a big difference when Daniel Bellinger was injured and missed some time, like this team was better, even though Bellinger wasn't a highly drafted tight end and wasn't like overly putting up big numbers, just the ability to have him out there to catch some balls, to do what this offense needed him to do as a tight end. uh, That was big. That was helpful for him and for, for the team. When he went down, it did hurt this offense. And I think now that you've got Waller in there and now you can actually utilize a little bit more 12 and be dangerous out of 12, like this team is going to be more efficient with Waller there. We know tight ends. I did some studies, wrote about it this offseason. The most efficient in general personnel that any team can use league-wide is trending more in favor of 12 personnel. It's kind of the answer to when defenses decide to go play. There's too high shell. There's no better position to target against too high shell than tight ends. And as a result, they we're going to see 12 personnel become more efficient, and it has. I think if the Giants have the ability with Waller to play more 12, you know, look, Josh McDaniels made a huge mistake last year. I have no idea why he did not use more 12 personnel in Las Vegas with the Raiders. Uh, it made total sense with Foster Moreau and Darren Waller. And, and you had Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. Like it's a perfect package to utilize 12 personnel. But for whatever reason, he used among the league's lowest rates of 12 personnel, just kept trotting out 11. I think the Giants are going to be smart enough to utilize Waller in some 12 personnel sets and crank that up a little bit more. And as a result, I think this offense can be even more dangerous and be more multiple and give defenses more headaches and and problems pre-snap to try to figure out matchups based upon where you motion guys or where you split guys out uh, by having a second tight end out on the field. All right, Warren, last one on the offense here. What are areas you would pinpoint specifically for improvement in terms of efficiency or, or just areas that you would like to see Daniel Jones make a jump in the passing game between the 20s. You talked about the red zone, how much the running helped, but I think we all want to see a more explosive, efficient passing game between the 20s. What are some of the areas where you think he can really take a jump and improve in those areas? Yeah, I think the unfortunate part about, um, I, I think for defensive coordinators, I don't know what they're going to do, but my suspicion would be they're going to study the way that this offense operated you know, last season. And what they're going to find is a very low A dot from Daniel Jones. They're going to find shorter passes. That's why you know completion rates are allowed to be a little bit better. Um, and they're going to devise a defense to try to make those plays even less efficient than they were last year. And they weren't very efficient. So we're going to need 
answers to that when defenses squat on some of these routes or play closer coverage. We're going to need answers that push the ball a little bit further down the field. Now, there's multiple ways to get explosive plays. You don't have to throw the ball 20 yards down the field to gain 20 yards on a play. But we are going to need not just more of explosive offense, which we discussed before, but we're going to need an offense that has answers when defenses are trying to take away the underneath stuff. Uh, Daniel Jones needs to improve in that area. The offense needs to improve from a pressure perspective. Jones needs to improve and they need to give him more answers when he does get pressured or when they, when he feels that pressure coming, what should he be doing to try to make this offense efficient even when it does allow pressure because you know the offensive line is slight bit better maybe and maybe they stay a little bit healthier but this is not like the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line that Daniel Jones is going to be playing behind so they are going to have to deal with pressure they need to predict it and anticipate it so a more explosive offense down the field uh, to generate more explosive plays better ability to deal with pressure and the ability to kind of uh have more efficiency throwing the football in that intermediate area, I think it's going to be something that is vital this upcoming season once defenses study what Kafka and Dayball were doing last year and make those adjustments. You love turf. You're good at it. So you start a turf biz. Business grows. Your savings grow. Become the most celebrated name in turf. Are you ready for all that life brings? Giant fans love a winner. It's why they love Citizens, named the 2022 Best Bank in the U.S. by The Banker as the official bank of the Giants and sponsor of the Giant Soto Podcast. Citizens is made ready for fans of Big Blue. Learn more at citizensbank.com. And Warren, now let's get into the schedule stuff a little bit because one of my favorite parts about reading your, you know, um, excerpts for each team each year in, in your football preview is seeing how strength of schedule changes from year to year because matchups and opponents are so important for the NFL. And I'm looking at the difficulty of the Giants' schedule for their passing offense. And according to your projections, the Giants face the toughest schedule of opposing pass defenses in the NFL in 2023. So maybe improving on some of the stuff might be a little bit more difficult than the Giants and players and coaches might prefer. Yeah, that's that's the problem when you do well and you overachieve. I mean, they still uh, only finished in third place in their division, but the schedule in general is just so difficult of opponents that they're playing this year that it hurts their defense big time. And it's why I think it's unrealistic to have super high expectations and expect this staff uh, to be able to take a relatively similar team with a few upgrades and all of a sudden get it back to the playoffs and take that next step. Like every team, every fan rather, would like to see the Giants. Okay, last year we made the wild card. This year we need to make the division round. You know, like maybe a conference championships are too much to ask for. Let's at least make the division round. Now the NFC in general is weaker. And I'm not ruling out that you couldn't take the next step. But you play the number one toughest schedule of defenses, which includes the number one toughest schedule of past defenses. It is the second largest increase in schedule difficulty for any team for any offense in the NFL this year and if you just look at like some of these teams we're talking about the Cowboys the Patriots the Jets the Bills the 49ers the Packers the Saints and the Eagles all had top 10 pass defenses last year and you play all of those teams, some of them multiple Twice. times. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's it's not going to be uh, easy for this passing attack 
whatsoever. And mind you, when we're talking about the Cowboys or the 49ers uh, or the Jets or the Eagles, we're not just talking about their good defending the pass, like good secondaries and, and good cornerback play. We're talking about they also have great pass rushes too. And that makes life very difficult for quarterbacks and very difficult for offenses to come up with answers and game plans for, for how to attack them when they can both get after the quarterback and play coverage behind it and do equally well. So uh, it's just, you know, the second most difficult increase year over year. And now you're playing the number one toughest schedule. Whereas last year, I think you played 19th toughest pass defenses. Uh, now in your number one toughest, you got your work cut out for you for sure. Yeah. And Warren, let's talk about the defense quickly before we say goodbye. It's just no different on the other side, right? The, the schedules for the defenses are a lot tougher. I mean, I'll just keep it simple for giant fans. And I've said this before on our other shows. I'm sure they're tired of hearing me saying it. Just look at the quarterbacks in the AFC East and then look at the quarterbacks in the AFC South. And compare Josh Allen, Aaron, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, the passing attack of the Dolphins, uh, Mac Jones to what was in the AFC South last year. And it's night and day. So this defense is going to have a much tougher road this year as well. No, they will. And one of the problems, I think, on the defensive side of the ball is you guys were so good uh, on some of the key areas that are less likely to be repeatable. Now, Situational ten, football last year was off the charts good for the Giants defense. Off the charts, ridiculously great. I mean, third down defense, red zone defense, number four and third down, number eight inside the red zone. You guys were elite in both of those areas. These things tend to regress a little bit. Now, Wink does operate a very unique defense, and as a result, maybe there's the chance, like you can cross your fingers and hope that there's a chance that some of this stuff is a little bit more repeatable because he has this unique scheme that might be able to do things on third downs to opposing quarterbacks that many other teams don't have the ability to do but expecting both of those units third down and red zone to rank eighth or better this year is is probably very unlikely especially against the schedule that you just mentioned where you're you were playing the 25th ranked schedule last year of opposing offenses i know have you pegged for the 16th most difficult so a league average but in reality it could be even Better than that, because I don't think the Patriots are going to be worse than they were last year. Now that they have an actual offensive coordinator, the Jets offense is obviously going to be significantly better this year. Uh, Tua is is going to be there. Hopefully he's healthy. Uh, for your sake, I know like you would love to be able to play backups. We want everyone healthy, Warren. We want everyone we, we healthy. Can't, we, can't, <laughs> we can't root for playing backups here. Tua, if he's healthy, is going to be more difficult than the backups that the Dolphins were bringing to the table last year. Uh, and then you talk about the NFC West and I know you've got like Kyler Murray and Matthew Stafford and how good are those guys and what's Brock Purdy actually going to be and all these question marks surrounding them. And I'm really down on the 49, uh, sorry, on the uh, uh, Raiders this year. I don't think Jimmy G is a very good fit whatsoever with what Josh McDaniels wants to do and the way that he was using Derek Carr last year. I think there could be some big time problems out in Las Vegas, but by and large, you are playing a much more difficult schedule on the defensive side of the ball. So once again, like you're going to need um, more th things to go your way. And I already feel like last year, so many things did ultimately go your way in terms of like some of the performances in close games. Uh, you're what, like you had an above average rate in performance in close games. You were positive in turnover margin. You're positive in penalty margin. Um, there were just a lot of different factors that went your way last season that like, we can't necessarily bank on all of these things going your way this upcoming year. You were number six in field goal luck, which basically measures how, 
how good you are at exceeding expectations with the kicks that your kicker is making, that might be a little bit more repeatable if you have a kicker that you have faith in, but you were also very good at the opposing opponents that you were facing. They were missing far more kicks than they should have based on the average distance that those kicks were to rank top six in field goal luck. Like that's going to change dramatically every single year based upon who you're playing. So um, a lot went your way last year for you to get to where you were. Things are more stacked against you this year. Um, I, I just think it's going to be tough to get back to where you were last year. And I think the coaching staff might call plays better this year. You might do better earlier on in games. Daniel Jones might actually play better because I was a little bit down on how he played last year. All of those things could happen, but yet you might not make the playoffs. And I'm just throwing that out there as a warning that like Giants fans shouldn't get down on this team or the staff or the players if they don't make the playoffs, if they're actually playing better football right. this year, it's just things are so stacked up against them right now. Yeah, there's a legitimate chance that they could be a better team, play better football, and have a worse record. And that that is exactly. very legitimately possible, 100%. Final question, Warren. I'm curious to get your opinion on Wink Martinzell's defense because you study all these metrics, how the way you play defense affects – what it looks like on the field and, and some of the statistical profiles. What are some of the quirks or results of playing the type of defense that Wink does with so much blitzing, so much man, so much aggression, it really going against the grain of all these two deep defenses we're seeing around the NFL. How does that type of style impact the numbers when you take a look at them in aggregate at the end of the year? It does play a role because I am a firm believer and, and I don't care, like, it doesn't really matter whether your offense, defense, what side of the ball we're talking about. If you do something different and you do it well, that is going to create edges for your team. And so the fact that he plays so much more man and blitzes at such a high rate, as long as he's not terrible at those things, which he's not, cause, which he's not will cause problems for opposing teams and opposing, like they're going to have to figure, okay, this game plan is totally different than what we've been doing for the last four weeks. Now we have to change up because this defensive coordinator plays defense this way. And now it's going to create more stress on this side of the line, that side of the line than we were having to deal with for you know the vast majority of the field. Or now instead of just on third downs, we're going to be dealing with this on first down and second down. Um, so, you know, Offenses have gotten more used to defenses playing this two deep shell over 80 yards of the field. And then when you get down into the red zone, teams do play more man still. Yeah. So they're used to a man down there, but like Wink's style is able to throw teams off. And now he's got two years to practice it. Like I just tell you, I'm super excited for a guy like Vic Fangio to go to the Miami Dolphins. I think he's going to help that defense immensely. But I went back and looked at, and, and I think the Dolphins are going to have a good team this year and they're going to have a good defense. So I'm not saying they're going to be terrible. But what I am saying is that I went back and I looked at Vic Fangio, his because he's been to a few different teams in his career. What are the What is his defense like that very first year versus what is it like year two and year three? And there was improvement every single stop that he made after that first year, whether it came in year two immediately or it started to develop in later half a year two and into year three. I'm saying that to say that I think Wink Martindale with such a unique scheme now playing in year two with this team is going to give them an advantage that they didn't have last year because opposing offense is always new. This is what Wink's going to do. But now his defense is more suited to prepare this way. They understand which players are going to fit in better. 
He's gone out and gotten a couple more players there to help play the style he wants. Um, all those things are positives. All those things are positives. And, um, you know, they take risks. But the other thing I'll add to it is this. That style of defense that we're talking about is much better when the offense becomes extremely one-dimensional. And last year, you weren't leading enough games in the third quarter to allow Wink to just go crazy on these teams and have the success that they might otherwise have. Well, Warren, quite frankly, the run defense was so bad, they couldn't get teams into third and long because they gave up so many early down yards. And, And the other thing that would help that run defense, even if it's not markedly improved this year, is if those teams are now losing in the second half and can't just sit there and run the football in the third quarter as much. And so if your offense, that's why like complimentary football is big, especially when you're playing like a defense that has Wink Martindale there. And we saw some of the Ravens best seasons is when their offense with Lamar was jumping out to big leads in 2019. And then Wink could pin his ears back and this defense would cause havoc. And that's exactly what ideally the giants try to focus more on is How do we get out to these leads early? That's going to make the defense look even better as well. So there there is optimism for me on that side of the ball, despite the fact that you're playing a brutal schedule with simply the fact that it's year two with Wink, slightly better personnel, in my opinion. And then you have the ability potentially to to play with more leads that's going to allow him to get more creative defensively. And offenses do have to be more one-dimensional in throwing the football against his defense. Warren, great stuff. Tell the folks where they can find your book and tell them why you think it's different, special, and why they should go buy it. And maybe why you do that. Give fans like either a surprise team or a disappointing team from all your numbers this year that that you've kind of discovered. Okay, yeah. I mean, the book is, uh, is 532 pages. I spend months writing it. I've got unique insights about all 32 teams. There's 32 chapters in there. One on the Giants. John and I touched on, I don't know, maybe the surface, like 15, 25% of what the chapter has. There's so much more in there, so much more from a fantasy football perspective or other perspective uh, investment pursuits of yours that I think teams or fans are going to love for all teams in addition to uh, the Giants, a team that I think could surprise this year is actually, I think it's smarter to pick teams from the NFC because that division is, or that conference is more wide open. It's the Atlanta Falcons. I've been big on the Atlanta Falcons. This team was not very good down inside the red zone last year. Arthur Smith always, almost always is great inside the red zone. I think Desmond Ritter is going to improve. They could not hit any deep balls either. They were worse than the Giants last year in terms of hitting deep balls, having accuracy for Marcus Mariota, who is one of the worst in the league last season. I think that's going to improve a little bit this year. When you hit more deep balls and then you're better inside of the red zone, guess what? You're going to score more points. And this team, obviously there are 32 teams in the NFL. There are only two teams that were what I call in more games than the Atlanta Falcons last year. That was the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. What do I mean by in more games? I mean that they either won or lost by one score or less. So they were never out of the game in terms of late. They could have always either tied it or taken a lead on that final possession The Atlanta Falcons were in 15 of 17 games last year. They finished only seven and 10. They got much better on the defensive side of the ball with personnel, a little bit better on the offensive side of the ball. They shed a ton of dead cap. Their dead cap situation in 2022 was ridiculous. They are substantially better this year. Sounds familiar. I think this team is better on both sides of the ball. and, And I think that they're going to go out there and prove it. 
The NFC South without Tom Brady is a wide open uh, division in my mind. I took some long shots on, on them to win the division or for them to make the playoffs. And I think that they go over their win total. I, I thought that they would go over eight wins this year. You know, I think this is a nine win team um, in a pretty average uh, situation with the outside shot of maybe winning 10 and, and possibly making the playoffs. So I like the Atlanta Falcons a little bit this year. Absolutely. By the way, folks, I know Warren was, you know, tempering expectations for the Giants. He does have him at eight and a half wins as his over under in the book. So that's basically right where they were last year, give or take. So make sure you go check it out. And and Warren, where can they find the book? You can find it at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Perfect. Warren, great stuff. This is always fun. It's always educational. I always get great feedback on it. Thank you for joining us again. And let's get ready for football to start. Can't wait. Thanks, John. Thank you to Warren Sharp for joining us on the Giants Little Podcast, brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the Giants. We'll see you all next time. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R.